Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We all once again live down here in the Barricade Studios for another episode of the Sports Frenzy Podcast. Sold out. With me, your host, Freddie Alonso, with my co-host, Stephen G. What's up, guys? Let's go. With my other co-host, the Devil's Advocate, Robert Fain. Gentlemen, today's day in wrestling history is an infamous one. Does anybody remember the Sin pay-per-view, 2001? I bring that up because that is a day Sid Vicious decided to do a off-the-top-rope maneuver and separated his ankle from his body. And if you remember that, uh, if you haven't seen it, um, they actually didn't show it during the pay-per-view. They actually showed it the next night on Nitro. And you could literally see his leg, his his foot hanging um, at, almost like in a seven you can picture that if you haven't seen it it's one of the most more gruesome injuries um i think i've ever seen and what's interesting about that is as well as they didn't stop the match um that was uh after that there was a run-in by animal who was supposed to be like a secret weapon and they continued to put the boots to sid and finally pinned them never stopping the match and and i remember reading something that bischoff said recently they said after that they started doing the the x and stopping matches when people got hurt but they let him lay there in in and you could see he was telling everyone he was hurt, and the trainer was in the ring checking on him, but nobody stopped the match. So, uh, quite a landmark match. I didn't know the whole backstory on that one. Yeah, it's wow. interesting, right? Holy shit. All right. And with Blackheard himself, the encyclopedia. And gentlemen, welcome to the show where none of us for 18 months will be staring at lights to help create a star. Like our girl Charlotte. Does anyone else remember that? Because I sure as fuck don't remember that. I thought you were going to go, we should get rid of all fat people. <laughs> Anybody see MJF's wow. speech? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's uh, very offensive to me. I'm fat. <laughs> Championships. Oh, I love it. Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Yeah, Hagar is just like, I'm just throwing it out there. Hagar annoys me. Like, when I watch that segment, like, they're coming to the ring, and they're just, like, all up on the rampway, like, just doing a quick little, like, you know, stand there looking straight out kind of deal. And Hagar's up there, like, doing some, like, crazy shit behind all of them. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, he's just such an odd guy. It's weird. makes him interesting. He's, He's totally awkward. It's very awkward, and it's like, why are you doing that? Because you're not even going to get a reaction. I mean, I just gave him one, though, but whatever. I was going to say, this might be the most reaction he's ever gotten in his career. Just, I just watched a little while ago. It just annoyed me. I'm like, what is this guy trying to do? It's like that little kid when you're in second grade who's, like, trying to be the most popular and funniest kid in class. And, like, meanwhile, he's the stupidest moron in the entire class, but... The minute the Whatever. teacher steps out of the room real quick, like jumps up on his desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to flip this desk. Like. <laughs> Notice Steven's the one talking right now. He was that kid. Oh, I was going to say, where are you going with that exactly? Now I get it. <laughs> well, in second grade, in second grade, I was actually practically dying. But, you know, I wasn't flipping desks, that's for sure. Nope, that was second grade. Third? Nope, I know when that happened, it was second grade. And that's why Wendy's no longer has a super bar. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> so let's jump into it, guys. Please. 
So this is a hangover from from last week. We had it. We didn't bring it out. We mentioned it. Themed pay-per-views. Good, bad, indifferent. How do you guys feel about it? Well, what I think, um, one of the odder ones is Hell in a Cell. All right? Because it used to be, it used to be Hell in a Cell was for a particular feud, right? It was like a specialty match. And now, because it's a pay-per-view, they kind of have to shoehorn feuds and matches into Hell in a Cell. Whether they really belong there or it really feels relevant or not, or it, or even at that, at that stage of the feud, you know, Hell in a Cell to me is like an end of a feud, and a lot of times these are like maybe the first match or a feud. You're like, God, I didn't even think these guys hated each other that much. So I, I think it, it kind of books them into a corner. Um, as far as the rest of them goes, I mean, Money in the Bank seems to be a joke anymore, right? Because it doesn't matter seem who wins it, right? I mean, they gave it to Otis just to take it off of them. It really wasn't to do anything other than I don't know. I don't know what the reason was. And, you know, I don't know. Some of the like TLC, you know, I always thought they were better as specialty matches. I think after a while you get kind of desensitized to, uh, you know, tables, aisles and chairs and elimination chamber and hell in the cell. It all seems like they should have been they should be brought out for specific reasons, not to to run a pay-per-view, in my opinion. I think they should go back to the the core four. I feel like we have. Too many pay-per-views at this point? No, 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 no. Five, buddy. Come on, don't forget King of the Ring. I'll go with your four, but add King of the Ring. Oh, okay. King of the Ring. But I love King of the Ring. King of the Ring the way the way it was meant to be. It was supposed to be a one night outlet. And then they turned it into a you know weekly thing. And that's what I'm saying, Freddie. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I want the old version back, like the original ones, a Bret Hart one, Owen Hart, like those King of the Rings. I don't want this like, yeah. I don't, I don't want this like, uh, who was it, Wade Barrett winning one or whatever, like the old school. Or your or Baron Corbin. Yeah. Or ba- Baron Corbin. I don't even consider him a king. He's such a joke. King Booker, the most infamous king of all. One of the best. King. If you go back and scale it down, make the pay-per-views mean something again, then you can start bringing the specialty ones. Now that you have the network, you don't, you've you proven you don't have to do it with fans in the stadium or do it with fans at all. You can do the screens, and you can have, okay, we've had this feud go on for, for months. Here's Hell in a Cell, and this is where we're going to settle it. And you do it like that. You know, like you mentioned, money in the bank means absolutely nothing now. How many, when was the last time a money in the bank holder actually cashed in and won it? I think we're all looking at an encyclopedia. He seems he seems to know those better than most. I mean, I don't remember to be honest with you. But I was just going to say the Miz will be the next one. (laughs) I don't even think they put it on him, to be honest. Which which is a shame. It's a shame. He, he, I'm not saying like he's like oh my gosh, big bucks for WWE, but like my dude does his like you know uh, D class movies. He has a great reality show, which I love. Miz and Mrs. Like I'm not even trash talking it. I love that show. Like the guy brings in money for the company, and like then he's trashed on the actual show. It's annoying. I think there's a lot of guys trashed on the actual show that should be getting some better. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I just think to make them relevant again, I think you got to scale it down because you've got too many that make no sense. Like, didn't we have – wasn't one roadblock? Like, there was roadblock and there was a bunch of other – what does like Cyber – Cyber Tuesday, some shit like Taboo that. Taboo Tuesday. Taboo Tuesday, there you go. It just make no sense. Taboo Tuesday, where you decide, but it was pre-planned. <laughs> where we make you think you decide, but really we we put in who we want anyway. Encyclopedia. What do you think, sir? I think these days, for whatever reason, quantity seems to be the way a lot of the sports world is going. Uh, we're not cutting back. We're getting more and more and more. It's happening all over the place. The NFL, for example, they've expanded to seven teams in the playoffs for each conference. It used to be six. They used to not have as many rounds of as they do now. And it's the same thing with these shows. The Money in the Bank, I don't have a problem with if that was a yearly thing. Uh, just to let you guys know, I was looking it up. Bailey and Brock Lesnar both won last year and cashed in, and then Asuka technically won the title from this one. I think this year it soured on a lot of people that didn't take it for just being a fun show because they were. it was the beginning of the pandemic. They were still figuring it out. Uh, that being said, Hell in a Cell, TLC, Elimination Chamber, I think those matches should only come out basically what you guys were all saying based on the storyline. I don't think those should be dedicated events, but for whatever reason, they've gone this route. And I think it's because they must've come to the conclusion that they get more interest out of their shows by doing that every year, sticking with those themes. It's, it just seems to be the way they're going. I personally, on a personal level, agree with you guys. I think it's too much. I think certain matches, the storyline should be dictated. I like the idea of the Royal Rumble being yearly, Survivor Series being yearly. You want to throw money in the bank and King of the Ring? Those those would be the only four I would do. The rest, dictated by the storyline. And also that special feel goes away when you keep doing these as often as you do on a yearly basis. And it's not just with the WWE pay-per-views. We're seeing it with NXT and AEW with theming their shows. Now we've we had New Year's Evil last week for NXT. AEW just did two nights over the last two weeks what was it new year smash they called it they got beach blast or beach brawl coming up they've done fight for the fallen on the aw side great american bash on the nxt side halloween havoc i mean when you're throwing this many special shows out it, it waters it down it but for whatever reason it somewhere the market research is showing that the quantity is better than the quality i, I think we're kind of stuck with it and like I mentioned, a lot of other sports leagues are doing the same thing. NFL, UFC, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. The one thing I'd like to see come back, maybe it was just a nostalgia feel, but you remember when they had Nitro at like the pool party? Where like Nash jumped into the water and then Sting came down from the freaking helicopter? That was cool for me. But... I'd bring that back <laughs> rather than a pay-per-view. You know what? Now would be the time to try something like that since you can't really go into an arena and have a crowd. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what AEW is going to do with this 
what are they calling this beach brawl beach blast I, something what, like that something like that i i know they've announced uh, dr Britt baker and thunder rosa for that show already maybe they're gonna i think the rumor is they're going to miami maybe they're gonna do that on the beach and give it a shot i mean you got to try something i'm i'm really surprised that wwe hasn't tried to do something like that yet that they're okay with this whole thunderdome experience and not having the live fans there this royal rumble is going to be very weird oh yeah Big time. Now, what what do you do? We're only less than a hundred days out from pitchers and catchers. What's going to happen when the Tampa Bay Rays have to come back into the Thunderdome? They're going to have to find someplace else, I guess. I don't know what that would be. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that. It's funny you bring that up. What sport is off at that time in April that? They could get their arena. Basketball is going to be going on. Hockey just resumed actually last night. Uh, what do you got left? Football stadiums? Yeah, do you really want to do it outside? Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess the Thunderdome is going to probably move to uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans or something because that's probably the closest indoor roofed football stadium around because what other option do you have? Well, you you can go to Atlanta and ask Ted Turner. Use uh. Yeah, that's a great relationship. Does he own the Falcons? <laughs> no, he doesn't own the Falcons, but I'm sure he owns a good bit of Atlanta still. That's <laughs> true. And that's another Mercedes-Benz dome. You think you could fit the Thunderdome in the Mid Hudson Civic Center? <laughs> you could. <laughs> I don't think That's probably so. about it, though. You you won't you won't get much else in there. Yeah, right. But at that point, they just go back to the performance center. I did have a thought about the Royal Rumble, though. Instead of using the Thunderdome set up in Tropicana, if they pulled that off, leave the ring where it is, but you have the participants sitting in their own section, not knowing when their number is going to get called. At least that would be something different. And then the spotlight hits them, they got to run down. <laughs> and they get winded before they get to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> they could do, like, the carts like they had for that WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, WrestleMania 3 and 6. Um, I mean, what are they going to do with the COVID outbreaks? You, you can't have all 30 people in one locker room now. You're going to have to spread them out somehow. And that's two Royal Rumble matches, so that's at least 60. The Royal Rumble could be whoever gets to the arena the fastest from their house. <laughs> They're going to bus them in from the hotel. Hey, you're, you're number 30 and number 20 just went out. Here, get on the bus. Yeah, they'll, they'll send them over in a taxi cab one at a time. <laughs> get an Uber if you want to be in the Rumble match. It's, it's going to be interesting. But if you can do it at baseball stadiums, right? or football stadiums. You can have 25%, you know, 40, 45, 50%, depending on what state you're at, capacity. Why not do that? They can see that from They're at the trough. You could, you could social distance people in there. Yeah. But it's, it's an enclosed spot, so I don't know if they're allowing – in enclosed areas without like an open roof that might be a drawback right now that's true that's true 
Well, Raymond James will be done with the Super Bowl, obviously, by the time their res residency at the Thunderdome's over. And this is all due to COVID. So speaking of COVID, uh, we found out on Monday, Drew McIntyre is out for a couple weeks, uh, tested positive, he's asymptomatic. It's now also come out that Chris Jericho and Nick Jackson back in September were positive. We know John Moxley had quarantined because his wife had it at one point. Uh, we know Lance Archer, same thing. He had somebody that he was in contact with. So we're now almost a year into this pandemic. Do you guys feel any differently with how wrestling's handling it? Do you think they're doing this right, or are they still doing something wrong? And what do you think about these guys that hadn't said anything that they had that they had a positive result until months after the fact do they owe it to the fans well first off it's none of our business it's none of our business if they have it or not it's first off that's basic hipaa i mean they do not need to tell the world that they have covid that's a huge legal thing first off it's their choice whether it's it's uh you know exposed to the world or not um, as far as the way they're doing things, like, how else can you really do it? Like, I'm not going to hate on them for doing it in the way they're doing it because it's probably as safe as it could get. I don't know how many how many more adjustments you could make to make it safer for the fans or make it safer for the wrestlers themselves, I guess. But, um, yeah, as far as people not admitting they have it, it's not the fans' business, all right? One of these guys could be having an affair or could be, like, married and have, like, a gay guy in the corner or whatever. Like, whatever a situation may be, not everything is the fan's business. That's my point. You guys make faces, but you're missing, like, the point here, right? Let's, like, all try and be mature I, for a minute. It, 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 mean, might, it might be I in mean, the delivery, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not the delivery. I'm giving you – I'm giving you guys examples of what like real life could be. How long did it take for you guys to find out Pat Patterson was gay when the dude was a fairy his whole life? Do you prefer lamb and tuna fish? Is that a better analogy? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So we just lost the LGBT community. Thanks, Steve. We ha I thought we lost those with the, with the Shane stuff. What so are you I, talking I, I, I about? Came back. You lost a long ago. I did I, did I create it, or did you guys bring me to the level of losing it? Because I gave an example, and you guys are the ones who made the face. But because you're not visual. You said fairy. I did, I, I did say fairy because you guys made some fairy-ass faces when I made an example. Well, we just, I'm sorry. Twisted logic I'm, is still logic, you know, guys. Yeah, it, I, is I, I, it is logic. It is logic. I'm giving you guys prime I, examples I, of things that I, are I, not our business. Like, let me ask you this, all right? Prime <laughs> example. Kanye West cheating on Kim Kardashian, who's amazingly hot, with, like, a dude, transgender, whatever the hell it is. Was that really our business? No, but it was their choice to expose that. But it's not our business. I don't think Kim really gave Kanye the choice to expose that. Um, did anybody, did Drew say how he the got point COVID? Is, the point is, is it our business or not? No. no. We, we, we got it. We got it. It's not, it's not any of our business. Like, it, it doesn't. Wasn't that the big controversy with Brody Lee? Is that that one writer came out and said that he wanted to know whether it was that COVID was or not. And, and people, you know, lost their, lost their shit over it. And Yo, he ended up getting fired over it. People lost their shit, and what's her face? His wife lost her shit on it too. Like she, like, and she went at it. In my opinion, the best way possible. I, I thought her reply was like perfect. She handled it like a champ when she didn't have to. To be honest, I wonder if Jim Ross got permission to reveal what the problem was that he apparently needed a double lung transplant to survive. 
I don't know. Nobody went after him for that. Does anybody know how Drew got COVID? Uh, no, HIPAA laws, um, and as Stephen said, privacy. So, no, we don't know anything. Because I'm just wondering if they're doing such a good job, both companies, how are we still getting outbreaks? You know what I mean? Like, I'm wondering, like, is Drew being – are they being irresponsible? Like, I'm just curious. I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you. It's none of our business. I'm just wondering is that – is there – are they dropping the ball as far as their protocols, or are the wrestlers dropping dropping the ball well, and not following protocol? I'll chime in on that real quick. I mean, look at look at the COVID situation in general. It's bad right now. We got this new string of it that, like, you know, is um, super contagious um, for the – you know, for whatever reason. And realistically, we're, we're all living our own individual lives. Do I sit here and say, I'm locked in my house all the time and I don't go out and do anything the way if you want to be 100% protective, that's probably one of the best ways to do it? Hell no. I go out on weekends and I do a side job and I'll sit here and go out and party with friends and stuff, but I'm out in public. I mean, I went out to eat last night. Like I took Jaden out to eat last night and we were in public and I'll be honest, like I still get eerie about taking my mask off when I, when I'm out to eat, but whatever, I take my mask off, you know, I'm out to eat and I hope to God I don't catch it. Like there's, it's, it's like these guys, like I get it. They have protocols, but this isn't the NBA. They don't have them in a bubble, which NBA is not even in a bubble no more. But, But like, I think that was one of the like, most extreme ways to try and protect it. And I think they implemented that decently back when it happened, but like, they're not doing that to you guys. And these guys are probably like, you know, still going to gyms or going to the supermarket or anything. I mean, it could be anything that they catch it. So it's like, I think WWE is doing right by testing these guys when they show up and stuff. Um, trying to keep, you know, keep it whatever contained and, you know, have the wrestlers, um, you know, separated like they now Drew's been separated, obviously. So I think the, their protocols and how they're running the shows and the testing and stuff, I think that's great. But you can't track these guys everything they do. So you can't like really know. I mean, for example, I'm going to let Anthony chime in now because Anthony had a theory based off of Drew McIntyre that tied in other wrestlers that, you know, we don't know if it came true or nothing, but it was a well thought out thing. And just little things like that could spread it. Go on, Anthony. So we knew Drew McIntyre has been a storyline with Sheamus, for example. Sheamus over the weekend was shown at the Tennessee Titans playoff game with Miro. So if Drew was in contact with Sheamus, Drew tested positive, there is a potential that Sheamus might now test positive and might have spread it to Miro, which then affects AEW. So it's a slippery slope. I feel like the best way to do things and the way a lot of people might be doing things is to kind of pick your your circle of people and those are the only people you should be with and if you're visiting multiple people try to space it out at least 5 to 7 days so that way god forbid if you have symptoms you can uh you have at least the 5 to 7 days to see if you might have picked something up I, I don't know I don't know what the right answer is here I think sports in general has done a pretty decent job of trying to uh, control this and do things properly it's just a little bit harder in the wrestling world when you have storylines that are supposed to be written out weeks and months ahead Um, we know AEW has made it clear that they do do that Um, WWE on the other hand it seems like the rumor is they're they're on the air and they're still shuffling around but it's a little bit harder in the scripted world where if somebody tests positive it potentially affects several weeks of what you have planned so what do you do in that case i don't know 
And there's some sports that you'll see an entire team's getting an outbreak and that's affecting them. We're seeing it over, for example, in England with some of the soccer teams there. We've had entire teams go down and have to play subs in a tournament, for example. What what are you going to do there? They're probably going to lose. And we've seen it happen in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns. How the hell they pulled off the upset over Pittsburgh, God only knows. And then in the NBA, it's going on as well. You have, they're coming down with their restrictions even harder. And you have teams who can't field nine players to play on a nightly basis, and they have to shut games down. So I think you just have to be as safe as you can, follow as many protocols as you can, and hope for the best, and just hope that these vaccines start working out and herd immunity and we can slowly start going back to normal. So another another thing we had that we were going to bring up last week, but we wanted to hold off for when Stevie G was back. Celebrity and legends taking spots from, you know, up-and-comers, guys on the roster, even just, you know, regular every week programming. What do you guys think about that? Do I need to go on and get uh, another rant, or do we, or are we okay with? <laughs> do we know where I stand? We we know where you stand. Insert rewinds here. We know where you stand, but think for those of us that might not have heard last week's episode, share your opinion, and then how you would. Do you have a solution if you're going to bring celebrities and legends in? How they should be used. I mean, he doesn't have to say it. I heard last week's. No, I'm lying. I didn't listen to shit. <laughs> You had us convinced. You had us convinced. I knew. <laughs> I didn't believe him for a minute. Yeah. I've worked right. too much these, these last two weeks. There's no right. time. Well, my thing is either they should be brought in specifically to put someone over, or they should be put in a special Legends match. They should be not inserted into, like, for example, a perfect example right now, Goldberg. Has anybody asking for Goldberg to come back? I don't think so. Yet they, he, he and he injected they injected him into this program with Drew McIntyre, and I have to say that promo he gave made absolutely no sense. It should have been directed. It should have been directed to Randy Orton. I don't know why it was written for Randy Orton, and they, yet they used it on Drew McIntyre. It made absolutely no sense. You know, just return that guy to Curious Joel and call it a day. And I don't I don't understand what Goldberg brings to the table. And like I was saying to Anthony the other day, now we're going to have a Royal Rumble where we have Goldberg against. McIntyre, which is probably going to be a couple-minute match one way or the other. And if they leave SmackDown the way it is, we're going to have Roman Reigns against Adam Pearce, which can't be a long match either. So on one of your big four pay-per-views, you're going to have two title matches that probably won't go ten minutes. I mean, let's be honest real quick. Um, How many – how often – and, like, let's not be wise about this realistically. How often do you go into a big pay-per-view like a Royal Rumble and you think – Wow, both championship matches are go take a shit in the toilet uh, breaks. That's, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> because, right? because both matches, I don't, I don't even care. Like I, I mean, just want to see the two rumble put matches. Put these on now. the Saudi cards. Nobody gives a shit about those. They don't mean. Yo, anything. exactly, exactly. You know, and, and I don't know what the infatuation with Brock Lesnar is because he comes back, he squashes a couple people, and then he lo- and then he he loses, and then he leaves again. So it's like they don't even do anything different with them. They don't bring them back in a different way. Um, it's just it's repetitive. It's brought back for like shock value. Like, oh, look at him. It's Brock. Let, let's watch him squash a couple of people. 
and then he loses, and then he's gone again. So, like, the allure is gone. It's To me, it's like The Undertaker. The allure, you know, when, when his lights and music would go on, I'm like, is, really, is anybody still going, oh, my God, it's The Undertaker? I mean, he's done it so many times over the years. It's lost its luster. You know, at some point, you got to tap out. And I feel this, you know, like Sting, I, I kind of see what they're doing, like a mentorship with Darby Allen, but still, he's taken up a lot of TV time, which probably could be used by somebody else. So I, I would like to see him... I don't want to see him in the ring for sure. Right. In, Get him in the ring. But like a, a guy like Flair coming back once in a while and like like being a m- minor part of an angle, I'm okay with that. Taking up major TV time, no. This is why WWE in 10 years, I don't know who's going to be their major stars because they don't make any anymore. It's only minor until Ric Flair shows Lacey Evans Space Mountain. Woo! Thank you, Daddy. Yeah. The, the the only one that I did enjoy recently that I thought WWE did it the right way was Pat McAfee. You brought him in. He helped these guys progress in their angle against Undisputed Era. The angle is still going, and he's not there anymore. That one actually worked. He could speak on the mic. His promos were probably some of the best of the year last year. You know, he's almost in a different situation because he's a younger guy. He's got an athletic background and they didn't use him to put over anybody. So you can almost like you can almost make a case for that because he didn't take anybody else's spot. He elevated some other people. Right. Right. But the problem is, like last year we had Goldberg. They had him destroy the fiend. Why? What was the point of that? Just so he can come out with the belt and lose it the next time. They don't even have him defended on a regular basis. It's just it's just a waste of time. I don't really understand. It's not shock value anymore because everybody knows as soon as Goldberg comes back, they're just going to hand him a belt because that's all he's there for. And you know you're only going to get three or four minutes of actual wrestling. So I really don't understand what he brings to the table. I don't really at this point I don't understand what Brock brings any anymore. And and Sting. Like I said, you know, if they're going to use him in a mentorship in a very small role, I'm okay with that. But if they're going to continue to trot him out and put him in matches, I'm not okay with that. Well, I think Rob covered most of how I feel on it. First off, rule number one, keep them away from the title. Because they're not the ones carrying your company as far as week to week. But for whatever reason, WWE, I think part of the reason why they put him in the title picture, this goes back to them thinking... They don't necessarily need to have one major star carrying the company or a few major stars. They think the brand sells itself. And when you're going back over and over again to a Goldberg, to a Brock Lesnar, and some of the other legends to pop a rating, then that's got to tell you something. You're not developing these characters, uh, just as Rob mentioned. So what they should be doing is, as Rob said, you could do legend versus legend, or these guys got to start putting people over and... That's usually not what happens. I mean, and I said it last week, Goldberg versus Drew McIntyre, you automatically would think, oh, McIntyre's going to get a win. McIntyre's going to get a rub from that. How many times did we think that? And then Goldberg actually wins the belt. So with KO, we saw it with The Fiend last year. Uh, I don't know. And, And even on the AEW side, you mentioned Sting. Sting gets the loudest reaction of anyone on that show. That's really telling. That's really telling. And then we bring in other celebrities. Like the Snoop Do- the way Snoop Dogg was used was fun, so I was okay with that. But then we got fucking Shaq sponsoring this bitch that came out last night during the waiting room. I don't know what they see in her, 
But all she keeps mentioning is Shaq, Shaq, Shaq. Oh, all right, so Shaq's trying to get this bitch over. He's, he's been in the ring once. Who cares? She looks like a million dollars. She acts like a $5 bill. <laughs> she can't deliver a promo to save her life. So million dollar body, 10 cent face, and personality. I mean, she, if you see her, she's as tall as Cody is. Yeah. Yeah. But she can't deliver. Like, when she talks, I'm like, you are reading from a script, honey. This isn't working for me. Like, and, you know, you're, and she's way bigger than Brandy, so I don't even know why. Like, it doesn't even look like a fair matchup. She's so much bigger than all the other. It's like China all over again. Except China could actually wrestle. And speaking of that, it's so exposed how weak the women's division in AEW is. Aubrey Edwards, the referee, was the only one somewhat tall enough to even hold that bitch back when that whole thing was coming down. I was like... Really? The referee's the only one big enough to hold this bitch back? Are you kidding me? The best wrestler, female wrestler on the AEW roster is an NWA champion. That says a lot. They don't even have their own best wrestler. On the other hand, I think uh, Britt Baker's doing a really good job. But she's alone out there, really. Her and maybe one or two others. And the fact that she's, like, probably their most over female that's actually signed to AEW and hasn't even come close to sniffing the belt. Yeah. Or getting her own action figure, as she mentioned last night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, boy. All right, what's next? So, I guess we should toss it over to you, Rob, my friend, because these are all yours. Okay, well... Um, let's start with, um, does anybody know who MSK is? Nope. No. Okay, I didn't think so. And, until last a, night. Uh, yeah, I wrote a little information down. I, I, I haven't really seen them wrestle too much uh, previously, but I know who they were. They were, they, they were in a group called the Rascals on Impact Wrestling, and that's why you've never seen them. Uh, there used to be three of them. There's another guy called Trey Miguel who actually didn't sign with WWE. Uh, but the other two guys did. Their new names are Wesley and Nash Carter. They're former CZW champions and PWG champions. They never won the Impact title. Um, not, I mean, interesting group. They, they had a couple interesting moves. Um, I thought it was in, it, interesting that they were inserted into the tournament and won already. I mean, they didn't really beat an established team. Um, I'm kind of curious where they're going to end up because I know my pick was the Grizzled Young Veterans. But if you're going to throw these guys in and give and start giving them wins, I could see them getting shot at all the way to the top, um, you know, to get some new blood in, in NXT. I mean, that's, I don't see that. Like, if they were on the main roster, I don't see them winning anything. But in NXT, I could definitely see them getting hot-shotted either to the finals or winning the finals. But um, what did you guys think of the match? I thought it was they, they did pretty good. I was uh, I, At first, I was, I was like, who are these guys? And I was like, oh, wait, I know who they are. And then I start watching, and they're, they're pretty good. I had no idea who they were, and as the match was going on, I thought, wow, I'm surprised the Young Bucks didn't sign these guys because all they do is spot fests and no sell. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a big Tell spot. Us how you really feel. But I thought it was innovative. Yeah. But their moves were, were different, things you hadn't seen before, like the, what, the backflip where he pushed them out and landed it, and then their finisher was was pretty interesting, so... I mean, new moves, I could take a little less of the spot fest, but... Uh, that seems I, to be I, the thing now, though. All the young guys are all spot fests. Yeah. So, I, th- I thought it was an interesting debut. I'm interested to see where they where they go with them. 
say I'm. I'm uh, well, let me Come to the story. microphone, sir. Come to the microphone. Uh, I wrote over. That's what she said. <laughs> I wrote on the air over. That was so good. On outside interference, and what I wanted, what I wrote about that is, I wanted to get your opinion on the amount of outside interference that seems to be happening in every match. Uh, that we see lately. And I wrote down a bunch of matches. I wrote down pretty much every Roman Reigns match lately. Okay. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Before you get into that, I, I agree with you. I'm going to listen to this. But I want to say what I'd like, because this kind of like brings up something for me. I kind of would love to see it go to back in the day, 80s and 90s, where it wasn't so much out of the ring, um, like interference, like it's other wrestlers, where you had managers who were out there screaming and doing whatever, Reverend Slick, Jimmy Hart. Like, I would love to see, like, some stable managers because the only guy you got, in my opinion, is Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman even, like, he's not, like, interfering too much himself. So, like, you know, I would love to see more managers like that, but I agree with this whole interfering thing. And, by the way, I want to touch on one thing that we touched on a little while ago, but you guys said Rob was going to go off on a tangent explaining what he said last week, and I allowed that to happen. One thing I don't oh, want to see happen. It? Yeah, I allowed it. I didn't. If you look, I didn't interrupt. We know I interrupt a lot. I, I didn't interrupt during that whole spiel. But but what I want to say was, I agree with Rob. Like with as far as how you use legends and stuff, and legends to come back to put some of the new guys over. But one thing I don't want to see, and I'm gonna always say this: there's always that rumor of Roman Reigns versus The Rock. If they do that, I do not want The Rock to put Roman Reigns over. And that will always be my opinion. Like, The Rock, like, you do not know. I do not want Roman Reigns to go over on him. I'd rather see John Cena go over on The Rock before I see Roman Reigns. I hate Roman Reigns that much. So if that ever does happen, that's just, like, one example how I'd be, like, okay with the legend taking out the rookie. But anyways, back to what you were saying. My apologies. Okay. So I wrote down in just the last couple of weeks, um, Johnny Gargano this week. Raquel uh, Gonzalez last week, Darby Allen this week, Kenny Omega this week and last week, and when he won the belt, FTR this week. I mean, it seems like every match has some kind of interference in the background, and I don't understand um, the point. To me, it's just like everything else. It should be done in moderation. It should be done to advance a feud. It should be done to start a new feud, and it seems like it's just the go-to thing anymore. You know, everybody's got people on the outside of the ring. Everybody's interfering. And to me, you know, for, for wrestling to be, quote unquote, believable, you got to think at some point somebody in the back is going, all right, enough with the bullshit. Stop interfering in the matches. You all need to stay in the, in the locker room where you belong. And instead, it's just like it seems like it's the Wild West. You know, like we had same thing with um, Undisputed Era yesterday. Right. We had Kyle O'Reilly at ringside and he got attacked. And then it, it just goes on and on and on, and I'm, and I'm wondering if it's bothering you guys as much as it bothers me, because to me, wrestling is supposed to be like two-on-two or four-on-four, and instead it turns into like these gang warfares, and, you know, they're, they're all walking around bragging how good they are, but you didn't beat, like, Raquel Gonzalez didn't beat, um, what's her name, Rhea Ripley last week. She had to have help from Dakota Kai to do it, so, like, why would you brag about that, you know? So, I don't know, it's just, it's been a pet peeve of mine. It seems like every match now, you turn around, the end of the match has got some kind of interference. It's annoying, bro. Like, um, like I'm sorry to keep going this way. Sorry, Freddie, but yo, the Roman Reigns family thing, like Jay Uso popping up all the damn time. Like, okay, here's my one positive thing. Maybe I'm saying about Roman. Roman's a big dude. 
Roman, like, you know, he's monstrous and he's a big enough name that you don't need to have Jey Uso come out every freaking match and help him win. The dude could win some matches on his own, but instead you're trying to push this angle and this whole family BS and blah, blah, blah. And like, realistically, it's just like making him to me. Roman Reigns looks weak as hell right now. He looks like a joke. And personally, if I saw him face to face, like if they had a little meet and greet, I'd probably go to the meet and greet just to tell him, be like, yo, bro, you look like a fucking joke. No, I don't want your autograph. No, I don't want a fucking photo with you. Get the fuck out of my face. So you'd wait online a couple hours just to tell him that. <laughs> I would. And I would hope one of you guys would be standing behind me with like the phone camera up rolling when I told him all this, too, just so I could post it after and be like, yo, I told off Roman Reigns. <laughs> when it rains, it pours. <laughs> What was that? Gone in 60 I, seconds. I, I see what you mean, Rob. I the... Oh, we totally ignored what I said. Whatever, Freddie. <laughs> the the constant interference, it's a pain in the ass. But I do like where Steve was talking about with the, like, bringing back the 80s managers. Like, with the, the spot with Flair the other night where he held down Charlotte's leg. That was very reminiscent of... Warrior Heenan and Rude from WrestleMania at the Trump Plaza in Atlantic City. Thank you. Thank you, Encyclopedia. I'm getting the verification there. But um right, but that yeah. doesn't happen every week. You know what I mean? I, I agree I agree with you guys. I think managers are missing from wrestling. No doubt about it. Yeah, I, I think with with a good manager you can take away these constant run in interference. And it can work where you're not doing it every every single match. Encyclopedia, what do you think? I think I've become desensitized to it. I didn't even pick up on how often it was happening, uh, the, except with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. And that I was kind of like, all right, the payoff is going to be someone's going to finally beat him and append him probably at WrestleMania. So... It probably is too much. It would be nice to go back to when the managers were the ones doing it instead of what we're seeing now. Um, as far as factions going with the interference, that's been a thing. And if you go back to 97, how many factions did WWE have? And they were always running in on each other. We had Nation of Domination, Los Pariquas. We had the Disciples of Apocalypse. I think at one point we had the Heart Foundation. Uh, we had the South African Truth Commission. Which eventually was headed by uh, our man Don Callis on AEW and Impact. It's, I mean, it's been there for the test of time. It's just that it maybe it is being overdone to the point that someone like me <laughs> didn't even really pick up on how often it's happening. Thank you, Rob, for opening my eyes. <laughs> Thank you. I just, I don't know. It just seems to me like I was, I watched AEW and NXT back to back today, and I was just like amazed at how many run ins and interference there was. And I just was like, is this really, is this every show? It seems like, then I started looking back at some of the other shows, and it's all interference and run ins. And, and I just was like, enough, enough is enough already. Let's just get some, some wrestling going on here. We don't need interference during every match. You know, we know these guys are feuding. Move things along a little bit, you know. What I mean, like it would it would give Roxa Raquel such a big boon, in my opinion, if he would she would have beat Rhea Ripley clean. I didn't even think that there was. I mean, I wasn't thrilled by it, but in the end, Dakota Kai got locked in the locker. I 
really didn't think she swayed it in her favor enough to really make that argument, but I, I, I see where you're getting at. Um, I think it's interesting that Raquel, it seems like, is really the number one contender, and yet we haven't seen Neil Shirai in quite some time. I wonder what's going on there. Yeah. But. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, just something I observed, and I was curious what you guys thought. Um, today, uh, PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, for you wrestling fans, came out with their um, year, year-long awards. And uh, I got a quick look at them, and I just wanted to run through the list with you and see if you guys had any, had any opinions one way or the other uh, about who won what award. So starting with the Rookie of the Year, um, it was Dominic Mysterio with um, the Rookie of the Year award. He got, <laughs> yeah, he got a whopping 54% he got 54 of the vote. That's horrible. was Anna J with 18%. So... I mean, he Who were the other contenders? Um, there was Anna J. There was someone named Joshua Wavra, who I've never heard of, and a- Abaddon was the, was the next um, listed person. And the rest of the voting people I've never heard of, except for Pat McVe- Pat McVie. Um, so in other words, there was a bunch of no names, so it had to go to Dominic. I mean, pretty oh much. I mean, you know, Anna J is not a, you know, Pat a no name. So yeah, but he won. In a runaway, believe it or not. So, all right. Well, yes, with the laughing, I think that could Listen, have covered it. <laughs> that's, that's just horrible. I mean, at the end of the day, whoever voted for Dominic Mysterio, like, you guys should be embarrassed to call yourselves wrestling fans because you're fucking jokes and pieces of shit. And stop watching wrestling and stop listening to this podcast. Wow. Okay. <laughs> if you look at some of the previous award winners for Rookie of the Year, though, it's kind of laughable. Otis won in 2017. Well deserved. Our favorite in 2016, Nia Jax. Oh my god, that bitch. Oh no, it gets better. <laughs> Here's the best one. 2007, Hornswoggle. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Freddy's face is now so great. WWE losing all of its uh, validity here. Um, what about, what about, wait, 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 wait. Did did Ellsworth get it ever? Come on, if these guys got it, Ellsworth had to have been in the running at some point. <laughs> no, he's not listed there. Sorry, but uh, I want. That's horrible. That's an oh, that's an oversight. My vote for Rookie of the Year it didn't even wasn't even a contender, and that was Aaliyah Mysterio. I mean, in all honesty, she hasn't even done shit, and I'm more of a fan of her than Dominic. True. I think El- I think Ellsworth won worst profile. You ever see him inside? He's got like no chin. So I'm bringing up profile. Most improved wrestler. Uh, the winner, Drew McIntyre. 30% of the vote. Uh, Ricky Starks, Otis, and Jay Uso are your runners up. I'm not mad at, at McIntyre. I can see. I'm actually. Believe it or not, I'm I'm not surprised to see Jey Uso there. I think he went from tag team to singles overnight and's done a hell of a job considering. But yeah, McIntyre, I, I don't know that he's really changed. That's the thing. I feel like he's actually well, his body. He, his body's yeah. changed. He got it's way bigger. Physical appearance. Yeah, but it's most improved wrestler of the year. So I was, I guess it depends on what you're creating it on. I, I I'm okay with that because the picking picking's were slim. 
I haven't seen much of Ricky Starks till he hit AEW to really say, and I don't know that Otis really improved, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Jey Uso might have been the might have been a better uh, option here, but all right. Inspirational wrestler of the year, Shad Gaspar. Forty four percent of the vote. Uh, Thunder Rosa, the speaking out movement, and Drake Maverick are your runners up. And really, he, he got 44, and the next run, Thunder Rosa got 10. So, I mean, it wasn't even close. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, inspirational, you know. I, I can't argue this one. I, don't think, I think this one is probably the Warrior one. Warrior War. He wasn't, but here's the thing, he wasn't an active wrestler. Right, but I, I think it was his active, what he did. I agree with Steve and Warrior Award maybe, but I feel like this should really be saved for somebody who's currently wrestling, not someone that has been out of the business for a while but it is a fan vote so the fans can put vote for who they want so that's who they pick i mean the speaking out movement's not a wrestler either but it got five percent of the vote so i don't know who i don't know who speaking out's pinned but you know i'm i'm surprised drake maverick didn't get more but it is what it is comeback of the year mvp brock lesnar goldberg 19 (laughs) percent Then we have Randy Orton, Eric Young, and Oscar. Wait. wait, what? Wait, 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 Rob. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You just said MVP got comeback of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, do people forget about Edge? Edge, Edge is by far the best comeback of this entire like decade. Edge is under votes for others, but he didn't. Uh, he obviously didn't get more than nine percent because he's not in the top four. That is that is absurd, and that's what's wrong with oh my god, wrestling fans are cheating. You know what? Fucks. For those of you that didn't vote Edge, we don't want you listening anymore. <laughs> Goodbye. That's right. Let's lose more people. We don't want you listening if you didn't vote for Edge. Get off the podcast. And so now there'll be more people actually has hosted the show than there's actually <laughs> listeners. Then they have the next award. They have. Well, I'm part in- time love, right? They have something called Independent Wrestler of the Year, which I've never heard of. I think this is a new category. And the winner of that was Warhorse. If you remember Warhorse, if you don't know him, he appeared on AEW once. He fought Cody and lost. Uh, The other guys I never heard. Nick Gage I've heard of only because I read his story. He's got kind of an interesting story. AJ Gray and Chris Dickinson. Nick Gage. Nick Gage is the guy that gassed David Arquette in the documentary with the light bulb. Yes. If I didn't watch that movie the other night, I wouldn't even know who the fuck that is. He actually, I think, was in jail. I think he, I think he, uh, I forget what his story is. It's either he um, was involved in a robbery or he killed somebody or something and, and he got out of jail and he's trying to turn his life around or something like that. He's got a, an interesting story. I don't remember it right now, but he's the only other name I heard of on this list. So, and the picture of Warhorse is awful. He looks like uh, Ultimate Warrior uh, went on a bender. <laughs> Maybe what the Ultimate Warrior looks like now. I don't know. Okay. You know, he was Warrior's love child. He looks it. <laughs> he looks like he looks like uh, Cor- uh, Cameron Grimes, the Ultimate Warrior's love child, is what he looks like. <laughs> you got to see the picture of him. Uh, feud of the year: Bailey versus Sasha Banks, thirty-seven percent. Uh, other votes, Edge versus Randy Orton, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy, and MJF versus Cody Rhodes. MJF versus Moxley didn't get on there? 
That was some great shit. Um, Damn. He's not even listed in the uh, votes for others. Sucks. So. I guess I guess sucks. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's not going to sponsor us, huh? <laughs> Most Listen, pop- I wouldn't want them to sponsor us. Like, I thought they were actually a good like brand and everything, and this is by far the worst list I've ever heard of in my life. The most MVP popular, comeback of the year. Get the fuck out of here. The most popular wrestler of the year is Orange Cassidy with 23%. Uh, John Moxley, Drew McIntyre, and Keith Lee round up the top four. I mean, I'll agree with the top four. I mean, I, I, I'm not disappointed that Orange Cassidy got the top, but I didn't expect him to be the top. I thought maybe like Mox or uh, Keith Lee would get it before him, but whatever. I knew Drew McIntyre wasn't. Like, Drew McIntyre's a draw, but not that big of a draw, in my opinion. Chris Jericho got a lot of votes, too. Believe it or not. I would be okay if Chris Jericho won, too. What's interesting, also, is Moxley as Ambrose won it twice, and then was runner-up, and he was runner-up last year again as Moxley, and runner-up this year, so he's... Maybe, maybe Vince should have given him a little bit more respect than he did when he was on the roster, huh? Maybe. Oh, well. It should give a lot more people respect. Mm. Most hated wrestler of the year is Seth Rollins, 21%. MJF. Yeah. Roman Reigns got 19. MJF got 17. Randy Orton got 11. So MJF was third. But you see, all those guys, in my opinion, like, they deserve to be hated. Like, MJF... It's kind of like I feel like he didn't get the votes because he's a hated that you love to hate. So people are fans of him kind of. So I wonder if that swerved it as well because people actually voted with emotion. I agree with you on that one. I don't think anybody really hates him, hates him like they may not like him, but he's entertaining. So like my my dude could curse me out in my face and I'd probably like laugh at him and be like, that was the greatest thing ever. I would be like, I would want him to do that. I wouldn't want him to be nice to me. I'd want him to call me names. Exactly, you know, like, let's do it. Match of the year. The Young Bucks versus Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. Edge versus Randy Orton. Charlotte Ferret, Rhea Ripley, and Walter versus Ila Dragunov. I've never seen that match, so I can't say anything about that one, but I've seen the rest. See? See? I I was right. I was right. I think we talked about this already, right? We pretty much saw it. That was one of the best matches we've seen last year. So, yeah. tag team of the year: the Golden Roll Models, Bailey and Sasha Banks, FTR, Adam Page and Kenny Omega, and the Street Profits round out the top four. Wow, the New Day didn't aren't in here. <laughs> I, I I don't disagree with that. I, you know what, match of the year and tag team of the year. I guess, I guess the the voters aren't as crazy as I thought, huh? They got a few right. A few. (laughs) Very few. Uh, Wrestler of the year. In a runaway, John Moxley, 29%. Bailey, Chris Jericho, Sasha Banks round out the top four. I think Bailey overall was the the best wrestler of the year, but I can see where they put Moxley in there. I mean, I get it. Yeah, it's a a tough category really to rate because wrestler of the year, you might – some people might rate that as best wrestler. Moxley's not really a wrestler. He's a brawler. He's a hardcore guy, but... 
Well, I mean, we talked about it ad nauseum, right? I mean, Bailey really killed the, the pandemic, right? And she's been overall the most entertaining, so I would have given it to her. But all right, whatever. And that are your PWI awards for the year. So the takeaway from PWI rankings are that they suck? Is well, that, that, their fans, that their fans suck. Yeah. Makes sense. The tweet of the week, I'm actually going to hand it over to our man, Stevie G, who actually nominated our winner. Stevie G? It was an unintentional nomination, but funny as hell. And it's probably like we're, we're giving these tweets to uh, – it's, it's between T-Bar and Sammy Garva, but realistically I'm only giving the credit to T-Bar because T-Bar is like just like a shitty wrestler and shitty on TV and stuff that – I'm excited to like give him some sort of recognition. He tweeted, some little teenage virgin on AEW stole my finisher like four years ago after we did a show together. I'd steal something from his moveset, but it's all just a, just King Ricochet moves. Then, Sammy Garver replied, someone tell T-Bag the move actually belongs to Matt Dermarest the guy he stole it from, and I'm just trying to get the move to be seen since you know he's never on TV. Also, while you're sitting doing nothing and catering on Monday, check out our newest vlog, which T-Bar replied. <laughs> Someone tell Panda Kid, I had a singles match on TV last night, and I didn't steal the move from some backyarder. I thought of it in a professional wrestling ring with Kill for Nova. Try being creative sometime instead of Oh, I don't know. Making jokes about rape. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> like, bro, mic drop. Like, you belong on Twitter, not in the ring. <laughs> yeah. Battle won by T-Bar. Yeah. They, you know, they got to win something. Retribution. Exactly. Because they win <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's such a great build up. And then they're just like jobbers. Typical Vince. Well, thank you, Steve. That, great pick. Um, the only other contender I had was Charlotte, and we're not even going to go there. Charlotte doesn't get to win shit. No, she she lays on her back for 18 months to put someone else over. Uh huh. That's what her that's what her fiance said. That's what Andrade says to her every night. That and when are you going to get me on TV, honey? Seriously. Oh yeah. Selena's gone. I need help. Charlotte has to go to Vince and be like, hey, Vince, um, Andrade is with me, not with Selena. She wasn't going around between two guys, but anyway. Any contenders for you fucked up moment of the week? Marco Stunt made, a, a, I think, several mistakes during their match with FTR. So, I mean... Uh... I burst out laughing when they came out and they were announced at 277 pounds. Is the combined weight is light. Yeah. <laughs> And what's his name didn't appear on AEW this week, so there are no. Uh, we should rename this award. Um, what's that? What, what's his name? The guy that keeps falling. Oh, out the of Matt Seidel Memorial. We should call it the Matt Seidel Moment of the Week. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's it right there. I think we need to rename that. <laughs> yeah. With that being said, guys, we thank you guys for listening. Thisportsfrenzypodcast.com. Thisportsfrenzypod on Twitter and the Sports Frenzy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We thank you guys for listening and we will catch you guys next week. Peace.